Welcome to On the Prowl. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On the Prowl Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Roten. And I'm Remy Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today. Today on this episode, we have Memphis Grizzlies TV analyst with us, Brevin Knight. Welcome to the show, Brevin. What's up, Brevin? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing today, man? I'm, I'm doing good. Whenever the sun is out, it's a good day. That's true. That's true. Starting to get to that time. Yes. Man, it's an honor to be able to speak to you. Oh, yeah, for sure. We've had Pete on and Eric Hasseltine, Rob Fisher, and now we get the opportunity to speak to the Brevin Knight. Well, that, you, you, got, you got a good warm-up. Yeah, you guys had you guys had good warm-ups, and now you just came with the closer. Yeah, you, you had the starting pitcher, you had those middle relievers, and now the big time closer comes in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we can talk about a question we've gotten from a, one of the podcast fans. He said, What will the team be at? with Jaron coming back? What will Jaron bring to the team that is missing? Uh, well, I think he just gives a, another go-to player on the offensive end, um, another player that defenses have to honor at all times on the floor. That means that there's more room for Ja to do what he does in terms of off the dribble, Valanchunas to work inside, but he gives us another range shooter, guy that can shoot out to the three-point line, but is versatile in his offensive game in that we can also throw him the ball uh, in that mid-post area. And, and he can go to work from there. He's a good pick and roll, pick and pop player. Uh, so very versatile on the offensive end and defensively. Uh, what he has started to do a better job with was he with his shot block, and so that that just shores up the interior defense. But also, again, with the ability to, to play out on the floor because there's so many uh, fours and fives in today's game that play away from the basket and do such a good job uh, of being able to put the ball on the floor. And, and with his foot quickness and his athleticism and, and also his smarts about the game, uh, it gives us a, another defender. So, and then hopefully another rebounder, something that I know that he wanted to get better on and an area he wanted to get better in, but, uh, w- with all of his attributes, he can also, uh, do it, help, help this team and in, in the rebounding category. He's also another floor general that can kind of lead and tell guys where to be and what their role is to do on the court and even off the court. Like the bench guys, he can tell them who to guard, what man to have, what he thinks they should do. So just another good coaching mind as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that he, he, he would help. And then I think by him sitting over there for as long as he did, it gave, gave him a, an opportunity to see the game in a different way, but also see how this team is playing and then where he can fit in in that role. He's such a unicorn. He can really do it all. He's figuring out the game more and more. So I think he'll be, when he comes back, he'll be he'll be great. You think he'll have a big high-scoring game when he comes back because he'll be so excited to be back with the guys? Uh, I, I think at some point he's going to have a high-scoring game because he's, he's that good of a player. Oh, yeah. Uh, when, when it'll happen, it, you, you never know. It, it, the opponent. Has a lot to do with that. Uh, at that point in the season, how much does that team, how much are they playing for? Are they in a, a position to be in a playoff picture or not? And then for him, it's just there will still be a level of rust because he would not have played an NBA basketball game since you know, we go back to last hey, August. The bubble. Exactly. Exactly. Go back to the bubble. So we're talking back in August. So there's been a, a long layoff uh, from him playing basketball. But at some point in time uh, on his return, he will have a big scoring game. Back off what you were saying of big scoring game, Jonas Valanciunas, as of today recording, it's April 12th, but in the 
April 11th game against the Indiana Pacers, he had high scoring points and, and as well as 20, I believe it was 22 rebounds. Yeah, 34 yep. and 22. Yep. That was beast mode. As I saw, what was it? Was it Honest Cantor that had like 30 rebounds? And his Cantor had 32 games ago, yes. Yeah, uh, 24 and 30, I think. All right, well, Brevin, so tell us more about you. Like, what got you into the game of basketball and made you want to stick to it and be a part of the game? Well, when I was growing up, basketball was just a, a big part of uh, my family. My dad played basketball, and then he was coaching basketball. And where we, where I grew up, basketball was just a, a big sport to play. I grew up across the street from a park where we used to play. We played all sports, but, of course, basketball would be all day, every day, year-round. I tell people, growing up in New Jersey, we, we would shovel the courts to be able to play in the wintertime. And that was our, our way of being able to, to stay active. And so as far back as I can remember, uh, basketball has been a part of my life. And then uh, as I played, went through high school and, and felt as though I could, I could still get better. And I loved it and wanted to, to, to do more with it. And more so, it was just wanting to go to college. And I knew that it was the, the best way for me to go to college uh, was to be able to figure out a way how to get a scholarship. And so I did that, went to Stanford. Uh, had had good four years there and then drafted into the NBA, played for 12 years in the NBA. And, and then I knew towards the end of my NBA career that I wanted to stick around in the game of basketball. Uh, I didn't know how much, I didn't know if I really wanted to coach, but I do, I knew that I love talking about basketball. Um, and so I did a, a, a national basketball players association program, which was, a broadcasting program in the summer. They do a different programs in different areas for uh, if you want to continue education or what you would like to do with your life when you're done with basketball. Right. Um, and so I, I went and did that and, and really enjoyed it. And then once I retired, did the radio for one year with the Charlotte Bobcats because I was living, we were, we were living in Charlotte. And then the next year started doing TV here uh, with the Grizzlies along with doing some college that first year, I also called some college games uh, for Pac-12 Network and for uh, Fox uh, Fox Sports. And so made the move to here, and then the rest is history. Now I've been here. Uh, it's my 11th year. I think. Yeah, this is my 11th season uh, being in Memphis. And uh, so it keeps me close to the game. It keeps me talking about it. Uh, but I don't, have to, I don't have to worry about working out anymore. Well, we love hearing you and yeah. Pete talk every Grizz game and hearing y'all talk about the Grizzlies and especially like when y'all say Jaeger and when y'all say get jitty with it and you know, just <laughs> the fun Grizzlies terms. Like, I mean, even the questions like, well, I wonder what they're cooking up in Secaucus today. <laughs> we have three refs. They showed up on time. <laughs> and it, the thing is, those, all of those things came about, uh, you know, people always ask like, how, well, why do you say that? How did it even happen? And I, and I tell them the, the good thing about our 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 crew is that things happen organically. Oh, yeah. We don't go into we don't go into a meeting and say, all right, let's come up with what we're going to say tonight. And and you know there there are certain things. Of course, the refs is an every game thing. If we happen to go to Chicago, I don't even know how that started. You know, <laughs> the whole food thing, I have no idea. I don't know why have I why have I even started saying that? And now it's like if I don't do it, then people are like you didn't say what food it was. People send people tweet me different uh different things that they that different foods that I can say, and so uh, that's kind of taking on a life of its own. But but it's we, we have fun with it. Like it's it's basketball. We 
we want everyone, when you're at home watching, we want you to, to be as entertained in the game as what as, as we can make it. Because it's, it's, it's a game of entertainment while learning a little bit of something. So uh, we, we just try to have, we got we to gotta be together with each other for a long time, for a lot of hours, for a lot of days. And so uh, it's our way of enjoying each other's company. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to have to ask you this question. What are they having? What are they serving up in Sakakis tonight for this Bulls Grizzlies game? What, what, well, well, tonight I'm, 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 I'm because we play in Chicago. A lot of times I like to use something that is the okay. food of our opponent, deep something deep. that is a dish that goes on there. So, of course, because we're playing the Bulls tonight, they'll definitely have some type of deep dish pizza. Yeah, tonight in, in Secaucus. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I always wonder how you don't run out of stuff. I'm like, this new food every day. Like, how much food is there? You got, you, hey, listen, you, you got to go deep into. You got to go deep. Got to do some research. As, I know, much right? research as, as much research as I do for the opposing team and getting ready for games, I've had to start to do research on what type of food they'll be having in Secaucus. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how that Google history is looking like. Just a whole bunch of pictures, <laughs> recipes from like different places. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, <laughs> I got a lot of that. A lot of that is there. I'm sure. So tonight, the Bulls guys, will they be saying they're serving Memphis barbecue up in Secaucus? Th- that's that's on, the, on their end. I, I, I don't know if there's any other broadcast uh that has that would would say what they're eating in in, in the uh in Secaucus. We may be the only one. That just wow. goes to show we're number one. Yeah. Exactly. We're we're we're, we're original. Oh yeah, exactly. I, I do have to ask about you, Brevin. Uh, okay. How how was your cross country journey from New New Jersey to California? Whenever you went to Stanford, that that's a great question. And, uh, it was uh it was a, a life changing. Um, but it was also I tell people it was culture shock for me because. The attitudes of living on the East Coast, um, coming from East Orange, New Jersey, mm-hmm. to now going to Palo Alto, California, that's as, that's as different as night and day as you can get yeah. in terms of the, the, the living and, and the, the people that are living there. So um, I was, I already, I went to school, my middle school and high school were both predominantly white middle school and high schools, but I lived in a 99% black community. And now I was now moving to live in a community that was still probably in the 80 percentile of, of being in white America. And so that in of itself, to never go back home to what I was accustomed to being at home mm-hmm. uh, was different for me. I tell everybody the, the story I say, the biggest one is the first day I'm one of the first days that I was that I was there at, at, uh, at school, I go to cross the street to go to the arena, which is directly across the street this way. But it's not at a crosswalk. The crosswalk is a little bit down and then you across the cross and then and then you will cross the street. Well I had a cop, the cop, they pulled me over as I crossed the street. And and the one thing that they told me was uh, they could give me a ticket for a jaywalk. And at that moment I was like, oh this is this is racial profile. I've never heard of who pulled somebody over and then you just made up a name called Jaywalk. Like I never knew what jaywalking was because we crossed the street just wherever. There was there wasn't a, a big emphasis on crossing the street at the crosswalk. It was if you're going to right here, then you cross the street right here. Whereas out there that was a it was a serious thing as to cross at the crosswalk. And so uh it, it was definitely a culture shock, but it was it was a necessary one uh for me to be able to get where I wanted to in life. And so uh I it was it was fun. Um listen, I met my wife there and and, and so it it turned into being a, a, a great experience for me. 
Well, how's your personal experience as a D1 athlete? Oh, it was great. I, I, I think it was great, you know, and um, the, the, the best part about it was the, the players that I got an opportunity to compete against. That was that was what was fun. And to to take a program also, we went when I went to Stanford, it wasn't known for basketball pretty much at all. Um, yeah. We definitely had some good Todd Lichty, uh, Adam Keith were some names of guys that made it professionally that people may know before I got in there. But uh, then we go there and, and uh, we're able to turn it from a just an afterthought of basketball to being something that is was really big on campus. As I say, it was like it was like a movie where my freshman year, the kids from my dorm, number one, they thought they didn't even think that I really played basketball on the team. They thought I just played <laughs> basketball in intramurals. Mm-hmm. So finally they came, they would come to games and literally be doing their homework in the stands because there would be that few people. They would sit in the bleachers, do their homework while watching us play. And then you fast forward to the middle of my sophomore year, mm-hmm. almost towards the end, you are now talking about having to stand outside in a line to get tickets to come in to our games. And so to see it change from every year, from my freshman year to where it was my senior year, uh, it was fun, man. We Listen, you you get the best of the world. You get the best of everything. You get a chance to, to be in front of people you otherwise wouldn't. Um, we get an opportunity to travel. Um, in a way that I had never traveled before. Uh, and like I said, at the end of the day, you're playing against the best of the best. Um, and the NCAA tournament, to me, uh, there's nothing that gets your juices flowing as much as playing and being a part of that. I mean, it totally makes sense because, like, it's March Madness, and so everyone in the world is just – even non-basketball fans are just watching just to wa- have something to watch and to do and to be, yes. be well, able to fit in, as they would say, to well, for everyone, all college, everyone else. For all, for all college guys, this is your way, especially for those people that play at smaller colleges. And a lot of – for us on West Coast – for West Coast basketball, it was your way to finally be able to be seen in prime time. That's most true. of our games – Games would come on at which would be nine, ten o'clock on the east on the east coast. And back when I was in college, it was even more tailored towards everything was east coast bias, east coast dominant. Uh, whereas today, a, a little bit at least, there's a, a little bit of an a, of an acknowledgement that there's basketball that happens beyond the middle of the country. And so, uh, it to go to the NCAA tournament was the was my chance and was everyone's chance to put your name on the map, to be seen, as you said, by true basketball fans, but just casual people that may be walking by TV and they hear your name enough times. And so that was always, that was a goal of mine during the, during the NCAA tournament time. Especially on those like one-off games. I mean, it's really one and done. You you put your heart out that one game, one missed shot, one missed free throw can change everything. So you gotta, you gotta perform for that whole game. Yeah, so yes, I totally get that. Now you mentioned your college basketball career. Now, what was your biggest transition from college basketball to the NBA? Uh, first, the biggest one was was having money. <laughs> that was the first <laughs> transition <laughs> <laughs> to, to go from to go from not having to then being able to buy whatever you wanted. That was a a, a totally different feeling, and one in which you have to be mature enough to be ready for. Um, and like most young guys, I wasn't as as smart as I thought as I was and, and as bright as I was still. Um, 
was not ready for that change all the way. And I tell everybody, my I blew every dime of my first contract. I spent it. Every there was I was happy that I had a longer career after that because uh that that would have been a sad story to have to tell. But um the other transition was was just playing against people that you're playing now against the best of the best every night. There's there is no night where you're playing against a guy that is only gonna be a college basketball player. He just does well within this system that he plays. No, every night you're playing against somebody that can go large uh, against you. And so uh, to have to be ready to play at your best uh, on, a, on a nightly basis and then the duration of the season, playing as many games in one season as you would play in maybe three college seasons um, was, was, was took something to get used to and paying bills, uh, having to all of a sudden turn into the man of the house when at the end of the day, you're still just a kid. Um, mm-hmm. The off the court, I talk about the off the court adjustment was a lot more than the on the court adjustment. On the court, felt like, listen, I played against good people for a long time. People were like, well, your size. I was like, well, I've been short my entire life. It didn't change once I got to the, to the NBA. Um, but to be able to now have to take care of a household and go and do your job and play. I, I thought that's that was probably the the uh, most stressful transition. Now, if you don't mind me uh, going a little elaborate on that, um, what did each stop that you made in the NBA teach you? Like for each city, each team, what have you? I think the 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 biggest thing that it 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 taught me was just being able to deal with adversity. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, every stop, listen, when you play, I play for nine teams, but I tell people that four teams I played with in one season um, of my 12 seasons. And so that, that was the ultimate in terms of just the mindset of trying to, at that point, it was just trying to show that I deserve to be able to play and had to find the best, best place for me to play. Um, so, you know, do, doing that, um, I think it just it matures you. It, it forces you to, to have to grow up a lot quicker. Um, from a basketball standpoint, I don't, I don't think it, it didn't change anything. It made me hungrier. Mm. Uh, and probably at that point in time, it was, it, it, uh, it was the first time I had a, a slap in the face as to say, like, are you really working hard enough at your craft? And do you deserve to be a pro? And then, so it, it, I went back. I went back and really started to, to work at basketball again. And then, you know, consequently, the next three years after that were probably three of the best years of my of my career being in Charlotte. Um, and, and so, I, it, you know, with, with all of the, the changes, like I say, you, you the adversity, you got to grow up. Um, you can't whine about it. The basketball right. side is, is it, it forces you to have to really look in the mirror and say, are you doing – all that you need to do to be the best that you can be. What got you into commentating and what's uh, so special about the Grizz broadcasting team? Uh, I think that the thing that is first off, what, what, what makes it special is that we all work hard at our, what our job on the show is like, we all want to be the best. Rob wants to be the best host with doing the pre and post game show. Then during the game, he wants to be the best sideline reporter that there is. Pete wants to be the best um, play-by-play announcer that there is. I want to be the best analyst. And so we all work hard at our individual craft, but then to mold that together, we all respect what each other does. And I think we respect each other because 
we know that we put in the work to be good at it. And so um, then when it all comes together, at the end of the day, we like each other. So the one thing that we do as an entire crew, even our production people that are in the back in the truck is when we're on the road, we all go to dinner together. Um, you know, you'll, you'll find, it's not every road trip, but every road trip, you'll find at least two to five of us that are together. Two to We have we travel with seven, I think, seven or eight. Where if we get the whole group, we go to becoming double digits. But other than that, you know, we we go out and eat, and um, I think we we look at each other as coworkers, but we're also friends. Yeah. Um. And so I think that same way is the camaraderie of what this Grizzlies team shows on the court because so many young guys they've been together now for these for the two years really had to go through adversity with the whole COVID thing, and so that makes their bond stronger. I think for us liking one another, respecting one another, made our bond strong away from the game. That allows us during the game for everything to flow so well. And so, uh, like I said before, then the reason why I even got into broadcasting was I wanted to still stay close to the game of basketball, but I knew that I, I couldn't do that. Um, I didn't want to really be, I didn't want to coach. Um, I wanted to be in basketball, but I still wanted to have some time to enjoy my family. And coaching doesn't give you the opportunity uh, to really enjoy your family. It will be just some, the same amount of time, or maybe even more time, um, of having to be so much into that. So uh, the talking side of being able to teach basketball but have fun with basketball, um, uh, that's what spoke to me. It seems perfect for you so far. And then I believe now Chris Vernon has joined y'all, correct? Yes, yes. He's been with us for the last couple of seasons. So he does pregame and I think he does postgame as well with y'all, but yeah, it's been fun. And Chris has brought his, you know, his uh personality to the show, his take on how he sees sees the game. And it, and it's good to be able to have guys uh that see we we're all in for the same team, mm-hmm. um, but we see things differently. So and, and so that's uh we don't want to be like robots, you don't want to hear the same thing from everybody just Staying the same line. You want you want to have uh, uh, some little some creative uh, pleasure with what you're hearing, and I think that you know that's that's what we do. So I see you're dropping some nice knowledge on us. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> All right, quick. What's your favorite city and/or spot that you have missed the most since there's no travel this year for you guys? Oh uh, well, we. Toronto is always a, a we like going to we like going to Toronto. Um, um, then out outside of that, we always I always say all of the warm cities because <laughs> be, be, because uh, um, I like to golf, and so those those are we I miss out on being able to hit some of the the golf courses uh, in those areas that we like to go and play at. Um, yeah. And so that I think that and I I miss and I just miss our our dinners. I miss us. Hanging out. Um, I miss seeing the other broadcasters that we that we talk to. I miss seeing uh, now guys that I play with that are assistant coaches, um, some head coaches that that I enjoy competing against. I, I, I miss I miss all of I miss interaction just as much as probably all at this point miss the the normal interaction that we've become accustomed to. Yeah. Well, Brevin, we really appreciate having you on the show today, but. 
before we wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Oh, man, no, I just just no, I appreciate you having me on. Continue to support you guys' podcast on the prowl. And and if you if you, if you don't have you if you're looking for another uh, podcast at any time, you can check out me and Rob Fisher. We have a podcast called Night Court. Um, and so you you can check that out on, on, on all platforms. But but other than that, man, continue to cheer on these Grizzlies. Continue to support you guys, and and uh, I appreciate you having me having me on. I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been an honor. Yep, Brevin, right. thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of On the Pro. I'm your host, Robert Oden, and I'm Ramey Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on the Pro. Yeah, we swoops, yeah, we swoops, and we got them high blocks, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot with the Mercedes Benz in the coupe, in the coupe, and this shit's so fing hard, it's on loop, it's on loop.